My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Hey, my friends, I want to welcome you to the Healthy Brain Podcast, where we stand up and speak truth about what's right and what's healthy in this world. You won't find any sugarcoating in this space. I guarantee you that. Y'all, today I wanted to invite someone on the podcast who would be the perfect fit to speak on the topic of spirituality. And this man of God has pastored Salome Church in Manny, Louisiana for 22 years. 2015, he was inducted into the Sabine Parish, Louisiana Hall of Fame, and in 2018, awarded recognition by the Council on Aging as the oldest working person in the parish. He was my childhood pastor at the First Baptist Church in Port Natchez, Texas, where he pastored for 16 years. And I can't think of anyone more respected, more truthful, and more heart-centered than you, Brother Tony. Thank Welcome you. to the podcast. Thank you, Carrie. It's good to be with you. It's good to see you. You act a lot different today than you did when you was a little girl and I was your pastor. So <laughs> you have really grown up and I'm grateful to God for you and what you do. Oh, well, I'm grateful to you, Brother Tony. And that was a long time ago. I was that <laughs> shy little girl, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you kind of come out of your shell, especially when you got parents like I do, right? That's right. They're bold. So I'm so excited that to be here with you at Shalom Church in Manny, Louisiana. And so I heard from your daughter, Cheryl, that you've been pastoring for 67 years total. Yeah, I started pastoring my first church in June of 1953, and that's about 15 miles from here. So I have made a complete round, and I'm back just about where I started. That is so exciting. That's so cool. And you just celebrated your 85th birthday, At correct? 85 years old. Oh, on June 26th. Woohoo! Happy yeah. belated birthday, Brother Thank Tony. Thank you. So if it's okay with you, I'd just like to just ro- dive right into our discussion. Good. It's July 2020, and we're in the midst of COVID-19, and it's an election year, and there's been more corruption unveiled than any other time in history. It's a constant battle of good versus evil, which that there's always been like that, right? But Americans are losing hope, Brother Tony, and they're asking, where is God in all of this chaos? How do you answer? Well, we've got to realize and understand that we're living in a time when politics is rotten, and it has ruined uh, the culture. It has ruined the United States of America, just like it's ruined every other country, that when politics becomes this rotten. And I'm not saying that the Democrats are at fault or the Republicans or the lefts or the rights. I'm saying that each of us have made terrible mistakes in our life. And if we would have took a stand in 19 and 50 and 60, our country would be in a lot better condition today than it is. But we didn't take that stand. And we've got to realize as American people, as a Christian people, that we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we're to love our neighbors ourselves. And we're not in this by ourselves. We need to be in it as a nation. We need to be fighting the coronavirus and the rotten politics as individuals, not as groups. 
and we find that we have we've just turned our backs upon what's right and what's wrong and that's a big mistake so i've been asked the question many many times how does god fit into this well we need to go back to the very beginning of what the bible says in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and people say the world's in such terrible shape today the world is the way that God created it. You know, we're in the summer season now, and here, yesterday, we had 107 degrees. That's with the uh, the temperature uh, deal and heat index and uh, the humidity. And you know, the reason it was 106, because this is the summertime, and everything is acting just exactly like God created it to. The problem with the world is not God's fault. The problem is the world with the world is your fault and my fault and others' fault. And I've been asked the question over the past six months, how does God fit into this pattern that we're in now? Well, I believe that God's still on his throne. I believe that as sure as I believe that I'm sitting here with you. Amen. That he's still on his throne and that he is still in control. And we need to remember what happened when Christ was led into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights by Satan himself. And the very first temptation was, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Well, I'm sure that Christ being man and being God-man, after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, he was hungry. And Satan knew exactly what to do. Turn those stones into bread if you're the Son of God. And Christ said, Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God shall man live. And today, we don't know what the truth is. But I do know that God is on his throne. He knows about everything. He is in control of everything and that he is going to deliver us through this because he is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And all of us can come to know a relationship with Christ because Christ said unto Thomas in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No person comes unto the Father except by me. Now, I'm asked the question also, well, if God knows everything and he's on his throne and the book of Jeremiah says that he wants us to be successful, he wants us to have an intelligent mind, and he wants us to see things as he sees things, well, why is it that God allows all of these things to happen if he's all-powerful? Well, back to the very beginning. When he created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, he didn't want them to be puppets on a string. So he said to Adam and to Eve that there's one tree in the garden I don't want you to partake of. Satan came in immediately, just as Satan does today. And he tempted Eve. Now, I'm not saying that women fall to temptation more than men, but he tempted Eve. Eve tempted Adam, and they partook of the fruit. And they disobeyed God. And the reason we're in the condition today is that we have disobeyed God, the Almighty God. 
And it's not God's will that any person perish, but that people everywhere repent and come to know Christ and to live peaceable with one another. And we need to refer to the Word of God as the only truth there is. And we don't take that seriously anymore. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We talk about this world needs to go back to something, and our president says that he's going to make it great again and again, and I believe that he can do that with the cooperation of all of us. But I'm telling you what we need to do is go to God's word, go back to that word because That's the only truth that we have because there's not any truth on the media anymore. There's not any truth in the conversation of people anymore. I was amazed the other night when I watched the news out of Shreveport to Louisiana, and it was a state representative with a chainsaw cutting down the mask. Now, a leader that has been elected by people demonstrating himself like that that only makes us ask ourselves the question, who are we to believe? Well, let me challenge you and all of us to believe in God and put your faith and trust in God, and God will bring us through, and God is the answer to all of our problems. Yes, sir. Amen. So, Brother Tony, I'm sure most of our listeners know the stats of COVID cases. We were mentioned the death toll in America has been 125,000 plus, and all the panic it's created, and it's a very, very sad thing. And we've been praying for those who've lost loved ones. But I'd like to discuss a cry that is missing from the majority out there, and that is nearly one million babies are murdered in their mother's womb in the U.S. annually. Why aren't we talking about this more? And where is the public outcry for these deaths of innocent lives? Well, I come to realize this about six months ago when the coronavirus really took its peak. And of course, it's back now to what it was at the very beginning. But They talked about the older people, how vulnerable older people were. And I listened to all of that because I'm 85 years old with a lot of stuff in my heart that's keeping me going, and I'm grateful to God for that. I'm grateful for medical signs. But see, back in 1963, at the United Nations, there was a big meeting, and I could go over some of those with you verbatim because I have them, and I just used them just two weeks ago with my congregation. But see, if there's going to be a one-world government, there's got to be doing away with a lot of people. Now, I believe that, and I'm not going to get into where all of this virus started and how it started with whom it started, but I believe that all of this is, and I believe that God's permissive will is being done, and I believe that when they said that we are not to care for older people because we don't have room for them, they really just said, you know, guys my age and my health condition— Just let them die. And that's what it really sounded like to me. Just let them die and get rid of those people. Can you imagine getting rid of all the people my age and those that are older? Mm. 
what a gap it would make in the world and in the intelligence and the commitment to the teachings of God's Word to get rid of us. Because, see, if you get a one-world government, you get rid of the babies that are to be born. And there's a lot of things being done with different parts of those unborn babies and their, their normal body functions that, that they're taking out and they're going to use in the tracking system. You know, we're Absolutely. not we're not educated in all these things. We're out here in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm back where I was born within five minutes of where I was born, and I love these people. And I know that they don't know what's going on in the world today. And we have been so blessed by God with everything until we don't get involved in the things that we need to get involved in. And we don't hear about that because they want to get rid of the older people and they want to get rid of the younger people. And that's the way to do it. And that's the most damning thing that we're doing in America today is getting rid of unborn babies that can't make a decision from themselves. And the ones that are doing that and the ladies that are doing that and ladies, forgive me, but it's the truth. They're going to have to answer to God for that because it's nothing more than murder. That's what it is. And that's why that nothing's being heard about it today. Because you take a million plus babies that would come into the world every year. And if those babies came into the world and educated and brought up in Christian homes, what it would do to this one world government and to this left group that is trying to take over and make everything controlled by the government of the country. And not just the United States, but every country in the world. And that's why we don't hear about it. That's why that it's, it's a kept a secret to us. But if they've got to get rid of the older people and the younger people so they can handle this group that's following them right now. That's my answer to that question. Brother Tony, studies show that a spiritual uh, fellowship, such as attending church, can be a source of social support, which may provide a sense of belonging and security and community. And today, the church is under attack like never before in the history of our nation. Churches and people of faith are under siege from politicians wanting to silence and weaken the messages from the pulpit. I mean, some are striving to limit the faith community and lock, or lock up the church doors indefinitely. What do you believe the church needs to do right now to protect our freedom of religion? Where do we go from here? Well, we're going to have to become bold and courageous as Christian people. Now, I shared with my folks uh, about three months ago, right after this started, I shared with my folks the book of Ephesians chapter 6, where it tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to withstand all the wiles of the wicked. Now, folks, the world is wicked. The community that I live in is wicked. It's just not as uh, upplayed as a lot of other places, but wicked People are everywhere, and they're going to try to do everything that they can do to destroy the church. But I want to encourage you today, as I encourage myself today about the church. Now, I want to first say this, that we need to forget about denominationalism. 
You know, I'm Baptist. I became a Christian two months before I joined the Baptist church. And the reason I joined the Baptist church is because that's the only church that was in this community. There is, in our community here right now, there's a Baptist church every few miles. And wherever people came in years ago, years and years ago, the first thing they did was build a one-room church. That one-room church was where they met to worship. And that one-room church was where they sent their kids to school. But we've got to remember that it's not the Baptists or the Methodists or the Catholic or the Presbyterians. It's those who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that we become new creatures in Christ when we become a Christian, and that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we need to experience a relationship with God through Christ Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit of God, that puts our mind in the right order. And it's, I have people today saying to me that the virus is going to close the church down. No, the virus is not going to close the church down. It's the membership of the church that's going to close it down. Now, I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about a body of believers who are born again, who are forgiven and washed in the blood of Christ. And that's, you know, at 85 years old, I'm of the old school. I don't believe in all of this modern technology and all of these things that we're doing today to get the people involved in our denomination. I believe that we need to get people involved in a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, and that will take care of everything. And we need to remember that Christ himself said to Peter, Upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, that's a promise from God, and God doesn't lie. God doesn't make any mistakes. And until we, as God's people, make a determined relationship in our soul and mind with God, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, and to see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to see with the mind of Christ. We've got to have a desire to live the mind of Christ. And then we'll find that the church will be blessed and ministered to by God. And there's one scripture that I use regular in the last two years. And it's from the book of Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 7 and verse 14. Here's the answer, folks. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will we hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin and heal our land. Now, I don't know how to use Facebook. We use it, but I don't know how to use it. I have people that do that <laughs> for me. But I see things on Facebook when I'm with somebody that, that can operate it and pull it up and do the, all these things with it. I just don't have time to sit down and do those kind of things. And, you know, I used to believe that television was the most damnable thing in the home, and uh, it's still not very good. But Facebook is one of the most damnable things that we have around today. Because they air all their dirty laundry, they put all of these things on there, and then 
I read, they say, look at here what so-and-so put on their page. And it goes on to tell this, and they use a scripture, and then they talk about, if you believe this, say amen. We've got to do a lot more than believe it. We've got to put our belief into actions motivated by the faith of the living God. And the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then there'll be those people that will put things on Facebook, and I've read them, and I know what I'm talking about, and I know the people that put them on there. And they will use all kind of vulgar language, and at the end of their vulgarity, they talk about how that we need to put our faith and our trust in God. People, we need to clean up our lives, and we need to make a commitment unto God and unto the church. And the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as some do. We need to count it a privilege. And I'm, within the next few weeks, I'm going to stop all the YouTube and uh, Facebook and uh, videoing and uh, online. I'm going to stop all of that. Hey, we've got to have a desire to come together to worship. Now, I know that people can worship wherever they are. I have people tell me when I talk to them about playing golf. Of course, we have one of the finest golf clubs in five minutes from where we're sitting right now out at Cypress Bend. Oh, but pastor, I can worship on the golf course. But we don't (laughs) worship on the golf course. I play with some of these guys during the week. I know how they play golf. They're dirty. They're crooked. They cuss. Worship, they're not going to worship on the golf course. They're going to play golf. Oh, pastor, I can worship in my boat or I can worship in my deer stand. That's true, but we don't do it. God wanted us to collect ourselves together for the fellowship with one another to bring glory and honor unto his name as a congregation of blood-purchased believers in Christ. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to get off of our couches and our You know, everything comes before the church. I just, uh, let me see, I think I've got this right here still. I just, uh, yes, here it is right here. I'll have to put my glasses on now because that 85 has took away some of my eyes. Well, we are having a revival right now, y'all. Y'all listen up. It's awesome. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8 says, To everything under heaven there's a reason and a purpose. And he goes on to talk about a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which was planted. Time given unto God. There is 8,760 hours in a year. Thirty-five. Now, this is an average, and you've got to realize that this is an average. 3,500 hours a year, people work. 2,190 hours, people sleep. And some of my people sleep more than that. Because they don't get up till daytime. 1,500 hours of the year is recreation. We spend 400 hours of dressing ourselves and fixing our hair. We spend 270 hours doing nothing. And we spend 200 hours a year worshiping God. That's some stats there. And that is not full-time worship. There's a lot of people come to church. And they think they've got a favor by coming to church. And they haven't. They've just come because that's their habit. 
And now they've been, we've been out of church so long until they're out of the habit of coming now. And they said, oh, I believe this is a wake-up call. Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people got to be awoke real soon or the church is going to be in bad shape. Absolutely. So, Brother Tony, let's talk about prayer because it is our lifeline to God. Even in a recent study, they found that clinically depressed adults who believed their prayers were heard by God responded much better to treatment than those who did not believe. How has prayer transformed the lives of your family and your congregation over the years? Okay, I was privileged uh, before coming to Port Nature's First Baptist Church to go to the Institute of Religion, which is on the medical campus at Houston. It's a chaplain school, and I was privileged to go there for my chaplain's training. And uh, one of the very first things that they taught us was prayer. And the Bible teaches us more about praying than it does anything else. The Bible says, I remember in college, and I was just a country boy from right here, went to Louisiana College, the second time I'd ever been out of the area in my life because uh, we just didn't have any means to go anywhere. So I went to Louisiana College, and the professor there said that every preacher ought to pray at least five hours a day. Well, I was 18 years old, and I was in college, and I was from a high school that plays basketball, played basketball, the Florine High School Black Cats. Uh, probably the strongest basketball team in the state. And I think we were then a C-class school. I think we're a B-class now. But I'm grateful for that school, and I'm grateful for the people there. The principal there for my last year was, is one, was one of my mentors, and he helped me because I'd signed to go to LSU to play basketball. And he said, if you're going to be a preacher, you need to go to a Baptist school. Since we were Baptists, I said, that's good, but I have to have help. He said, oh, that won't be a problem. So he took me there, and I went there. And when I went there, and that Bible professor, Dr. Whittington, said that every preacher ought to pray five hours a day, I thought that that was God speaking to me through that professor. And I tried that. I would pray and pray and pray. And I'd look at my watch, and I'd been praying five minutes. <laughs> and I'd start over praying and praying and praying. And, hey, there was no way I could pray five hours a day. But the Bible says, and Dr. Whittington said, that we're to pray without ceasing. Well, I think that we can do that. I think we can pray without ceasing. But here is the heart of prayer. Here's the power of prayer. First of all, we have to Prepare ourselves to pray. People don't do that anymore. I don't do that all the time. Now, I did last night. I really did. I, I really spent time in confessing my sin. I said, I'm going to be with this precious girl, and uh, Lord, I want to bring glory to your name, and I don't want to embarrass one of the young people that I had the privilege of ministering to for seven to 13 years. So I prayed. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God must aid us in our prayer life because the Holy Spirit knows what we need to pray for. This is what the Bible says. 
And the Bible's the truth. That we need to seek the Holy, the guidance of the Holy Spirit to pray because we don't know what we need to pray for. It's easy for me to pray. You know, I can just open my mouth and start praying. I prayed with folks last night in a, a drowning of their son. I prayed with those folks. But we need prayer is work because the devil's attacking us all the time when we're going to pray. Yes, sir. I know just every day in my prayer life, I'll be praying and I'll be so filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden, my mind thinks about something else somewhere else. That's the devil leading us away from our relationship with God and talking to God. Now, when my wife and I, there were times that, you know, even as a pastor and wife, and I had a precious wife, and uh, she was my greatest critic, but my best friend. And my two daughters are still that. They're my worst critics, but they're my best friend. But we would get in little arguments with one another. And gosh, I didn't like that. So I'd just be quiet. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything. I'd let her do the talking. It didn't take me long to break that relationship of not talking because we'd go to bed and I would go to sleep. I don't have any trouble going to sleep. I can lay down beside the devil and go to sleep, I think. And I'd be snoring and Flo would wake me up and I would think it was because I was snoring. And she would say, Tony, the Bible says not let the sun go down on our anger. Are you ready to pray? I said, well, sure, let's pray. Well, I could pray and go back to sleep. And that's the way a lot of our prayer life is. But the Bible says we need to seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit to pray because we don't know what to pray for and how to pray for. We have a prayer group in our church. This is the strongest praying church I've ever pastored, the one I'm pastoring now. That's awesome. And they're praying all the time about everything. People call them and they pray. But we need, we need to pray. And you know what? Flo and I's big problem was myself because when I was angry, I just wouldn't say anything. And that made things worse. Because husband and wife are supposed to talk. They're supposed to share with one another. And Christians are supposed to talk to God through Christ. And one of the great needs in Christendom today is that we need to return to praying. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will we hear from heaven, he'll forgive our sin and heal our land. And the other day... Well, the lady that's ahead of our prayer chain, she had to go to Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is south of here, and she was going to find help her daughter find an apartment, a place to live, and she'd made five or six trips down there, and they had found nothing. She said, Brother Anthony, I'm calling. I'm fixing to go to Lake Charles. She said, I want you to pray with me that we can find a place today for my daughter, because this is the sixth trip I've made to Lake Charles, and we haven't found anything. And we prayed. And I said, Lord, if your will can be done in this matter, I trust that today they'll be able to find an apartment that they can afford, and that will be nice for her daughter to live in. Well, about 2 o'clock that evening, my phone came on, and it was Ms. Ortego. 
She said, Brother Tony, let's praise the Lord because we found a place. Prayer works, and it does work. Last night, I had a young man jump in the lake, and he jumped in a shallow place and broke his neck, and he drowned and died in the water. And I prayed with that family. And I remember when I was pastoring in Lake Charles, a man's daddy was about to die. And he called and he said, Pastor, could you come and pray with us? And his daddy was not a Christian. And I prayed and I talked with his dad two hours before he died. And when I finished praying and the doctor came in and I walked outside and the son walked outside, he said, do you think... The Lord heard our prayer about my daddy becoming a Christian. I said, I believe so. God hears our prayer. Sometimes he answers no. Sometimes he says, I'm going to put it on the back burner for a day or two. Sometimes he just automatically does it right then. Prayer is a miracle. Only God can answer our prayers. And I believe that prayer is one of the greatest things in Christendom. And the Bible says if we pray without ceasing, he will grant unto us the desires of our heart. That's what I believe about prayer. Yeah, we just trust him. I know that we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus, Brother Tony, to those who are hungry physically and spiritually. But do you believe we may also become the hands of the Lord to change the minds of our nation's leaders? You know, we were talking about prayer, and do we just— sit back and pray 24-7, you know, and look at God's Word and not be engaged and just wait on Him? Or do we really get involved and, and be bold about it, reaching out to our leaders, standing up for the truth? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, well, I believe that we need to reach out to everybody. Everybody. Now, uh, one of the signs of the times is that people are quitting their job. They're getting unemployment. They're not quitting. They were laid off and they're getting unemployment. And now they're just sitting around waiting for the Lord to come. I'm, I know that's a fact because I've talked with some people that think like that. But we need to reach out to everybody. The other day, I carried the man that and his wife that do the cleaning of all of our buildings and does all the cooking for the church. They cook for funerals. They cook for other things. They cook for the Wednesday evening meal, which we're not having now because of the virus. But I carried them out to dinner, and we went out, and I said, okay, now, this is on me. I want you all to. And when I walked in, and I know the people that where we were eating, and uh, they set us down, and there was a black couple sitting at the next table from us. And I told the guy that I did his wedding a couple of years back. He was a waiter there in the restaurant. I said, I want the ticket of that black man and his wife. I didn't know who they were. And uh, so he brought me the ticket, and then uh, he got ready. They got ready, and the black man said to his waiter, who was the same guy waiting on us, he said, I'm ready for the ticket. And he says, the gentleman sitting there, and I was really surprised that he referred to me as a gentleman because he usually doesn't refer to me as a gentleman. (laughs) He said, the gentleman sitting there has got your ticket. And the black man and his wife come over. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, you picked up my ticket? I said, yes, sir. He said, why did you do that? I said, because I felt 
that it would be good for me to pick up your ticket. I said, people have picked up my tickets, and it makes me feel good. And, you know, with the trouble that we're having today, I want you to know that I love you as much as I love this man and his wife that's sitting at this table with me, and I am blessed of God to just pay for your ticket. Yesterday, I was in another restaurant, and a fireman came in, and he ordered his lunch to go. And I told the lady that was my waiter, I said, put his ticket on mine. We need to reach out to people and let people know that we care about them and that we love them, no matter what color of their skin. I remember as a little boy at a church where we didn't even have a piano in that church. We didn't even have electricity in that church. Just a little ways from here. And there was a lady that couldn't speak very plain, taught us a song. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And there are people that are in need, Uh, not just in the restaurant. Those people, they had money to pay for their meal or they wouldn't have went in there. But was it just a kind gesture? It was just a kind act to do. But we need to reach out to people that are hurting, people that are we have a lot of people in our area here right now that are in the oil field that have lost their job. They have no income coming in except the unemployment. We need to help those people, and we do. And we need to find people. If we have an extra dollar that we don't need, we need to share that extra dollar with people who need an extra dollar and who need just a kind attic toward them, toward them. And the Bible says that we're to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And my, what a world and what a revival this would be if we just practice that one scripture passage. And that's what we need to do because it's in God's Word. And I believe that we need to help people. Now, not all people. Now, uh, we help a lot of people here. I don't give people cash anymore. Because if, they, if I give them cash and they were hunting for something to eat, they may go and buy something else. Right. <laughs> so if I go and I have arrangements made at the service station from here and the grocery store from here, that if I call and I will give them the name and, okay, you give them $50 worth of groceries or you give them a tank of gas and I'll be by and sign the ticket. But we need to help people. We need to care for people. And there are those who misuse our gifts sometimes, but they'll answer for that, not me. It made me feel good to be able to help them. And if they do something wrong with it, they'll have to answer for that. And by the way, the Bible says that it's appointed unto all people once to die, and then the judgment. Every one of us are going to die. You can mark that down. I'm excited about dying, and that's another subject. I'm not going to get started on that. But I'm telling you, we're going to meet him face-to-face at the judgment seat of Christ. And Christ is coming really soon. I believe that he is. Do you believe we're in the end times? Oh, yes, I really do. I really do. The things that are happening, this is a plague. You know, I've lived through a bunch of plagues. I remember the swine flu and the... What was that other one? Some other kind of flu. You know, 
I forgot where it was, from some other country, you know. I don't remember this, but I know that there's a lot of people in the cemetery here buried that died in 1919. There was an epidemic of pneumonia that came through. People died. And, you know, there, there are those things happening all the time. And the Bible says that there will be a turning away of the church. And that's happening today. Not just here at our church, but everywhere. A turning away of the church. And then it says that there will be plagues that will come upon us. And, you know, this is altogether a different subject, and I could talk on it for hours. But Christ, and I don't have the answer to all these things, but I told my people, I tell my people regular, that they need to stop looking for the signs and start listening for the shout because that's how close Christ is to coming. Now, they just told us the other day, uh, the banks don't have any more coins. So if you go to Walmart up here and it's uh, your bill is X number of dollars, and let's say it's $25.30, well, there's no $0.30 cents anymore. It's going to be $26. Right. Or you've got to use a card. That's right, or use a card. And uh, all of this stuff is the return of the Lord. He's coming. And we're in, a, you know, I remember in school, we'd have plays at school, and we'd rehearse and we'd rehearse and rehearse. And then about two days before the play came, for it to be really done for the last time, they said we'll have a dress rehearsal. Hey, we're past the, dre- the, the play rehearsal and the dress rehearsal. We're at the threshold waiting to see that eastern sky split and the trumpet sound and the dead in Christ raise, and we'll be caught up to meet them as Christians. And then... All hell is going to break loose. The seven years of tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, all of those things. And that's altogether a different subject. But I'm telling you, Christ, I don't know the answer to all those things, but I do know this, that Christ is coming. And we're closer to him today than we've ever been. And if we live till tomorrow, we're going to be a day closer tomorrow. Every day that we live, we're getting a day closer to his return. So, Brother Tony, are you believing that there's going to be an awakening of the Holy Spirit in people, a renewing of faith in Almighty God, but not everyone will see truth, right? I believe so. I believe that God's going to give us, I don't I say another chance. He may give us two or three more chances. You know, I don't have much longer to live. I mean, my days are numbered. Well, they were that before, you know, the, when I was born, my days were numbered. But I believe that God in all of his love for mankind, anybody that loved us enough to give us his son to die on the cross for our sin, he really loves us. Greater love hath no man, the Bible says, than to lay down his life for us. And I believe, I really believe, that we as preachers, as ministers, need to get off of this uh, sound good gospel. And we need to really preach. I remember the old preachers that when I was a boy growing up, that scared me to death. (laughs) And they they preached hellfire and brimstone sermons. 
That's what we now get back to. We're afraid we're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Hey, we need to stop that. I don't feel like I've preached a good message unless somebody gets upset with me for (laughs) something I've said. And I was thinking the other day, because I found in my office at home, I found why we used to have so many professions of faith, so many additions to our church. We we had no air conditioning. And we had fans from the funeral home. Oh, my. And the funeral home was advertised, and it was on a little handle on that fan, and you'd sit in church, and you'd fan yourself with that funeral home fan. And that would remind you that one day that funeral home that furnaces fans is going to put us in the ground. We better get things right. But I really believe that we're going to see a real turning back to God. I believe that. I believe it too. And I believe that it's going to be in my lifetime. And if it's not, I'm going to be looking down on this church and other churches, and I'm going to praise the Lord for the revival. Amen. Brother Tony, now before we wrap up this interview, I've just got one more question for you. I'm sure every single listener encounters this almost on the daily. And what do you say to an individual who's questioning their faith, who's lost sight of the Lord? Maybe they've lost a loved one to COVID, they've lost their job, or they've closed the doors to their business that they've had for, you know, 20, 30 years. Maybe they're a single parent who is overwhelmed trying to raise kids and put food on the table. Those who are unable to see their loved one, maybe in a memory care home, like my daddy, because my mom is in a lockdown. How do you comfort them? Okay, that's really hard to do because they're experiencing things that we don't experience. We can study, uh, carry everything there is, but until we walk in their shoes, we don't know what they're experiencing. And I say to them, that God's still on his throne and that he loves us and that he knows what you're experiencing right now. And I use this, that there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God will give a way for you to escape. I believe that he uses his permissive will for things to happen. And I think that's what's happening now. I think that all of us need to realize and know without any doubt in our mind that Christ is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says that he's going to trample sin under his foot. And then I use this scripture passage every day just about. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. And Ecclesiastes 3 Chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Just two weeks ago, I shared that. Why do these things happen? Because they are in God's plan from the beginning. And we can either either take it and we can lift it up, even though our hearts are burdened. Uh, I still, I miss my wife. Uh, On anniversaries, on birthdays, just July the 1st was her birthday and her twin sister's birthday. And I was sad, and I think about it, I'm sad. But all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. And God has a will and a way for every one of us, and he loves us unconditionally. 
I don't have to meet a certain standards. I don't have to keep all the laws. God will not forsake me or turn away from me. Now, I get away from God occasionally, but it's not God's fault. And guess what? When I really make up my mind that I want God, guess where I find him? Exactly where I left him. <laughs> he's always there. Yeah, he's always there. Absolutely. Well, Brother Tony, I'd love to keep you here all day, but I know you're extremely busy taking care of your congregation during this difficult time, and I know your heart is with your people. You're making a huge difference in the lives of others all over Manny and the surrounding areas. I'm sure you're so, so appreciated here. And I just want to personally thank you for setting such a fine example as that bold man of God back in the day at the First Baptist Church in Port Natchez, Texas. There was no denying you always spoke truth at the pulpit. There was just no denying of that, even though we didn't want to hear it sometimes. <laughs> but thank you for always being there for our family. And, you know, they just don't make them like you anymore. Thank you for being here. It's been such a blessing to visit with you. Thank you again for being a guest on the Healthy Brain Podcast. Well, I want to thank you for this opportunity. And I want to thank God for me having a part of your life and your family's life. You know, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not a great preacher. All I want is when they pass by the casket where I'm laying, it's for them to say, that man touched my life through the Holy Spirit. And I've got lots of them. Absolutely. That's going to say that. And that's all that I want. Not a great preacher, not a great pastor, but... He touched my life, and that's my desire. (laughs) God bless you, girl. God bless you, too, Brother Tony. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your health care provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.